grit, determination, resilience. These are the qualities of a successful rugby player and a successful lawyer and law student. It's not easy to be a competitive rugby player, and it's certainly not easy to be a great lawyer. But grit, determination, and resilience are taught through experience, both on the rugby pitch and in the law classroom. So, what about mastering grit, determination, and resilience in both rugby and law simultaneously? Hi, Amos Vang here. And on this episode of The Law School Show, I am pleased to welcome Katrina Thompson, former rugby player for the Carleton University Ravens and the University of Calgary Dinos, and currently an articling student at MLT Icons LLP. Katrina played scrum half for both the Ravens and the Dinos, and during her career, she played against some of the best women's rugby teams in U sports, including the University of Ottawa GGs. Balancing both law school and rugby, Katrina competed at the U Sports Women's Rugby National Championships in Ottawa in 2019. In 2022, Katrina completed a Juris Doctor at the University of Calgary's Faculty of Law. Whether it's intense workouts at the squat rack or at the bench press, or whether it's stressful study sessions for a fact pattern exam, Katrina has seen it all. Katrina, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> so let's go back to the very beginning. Isn't that isn't that long ago? Ain't that long, long. ago, actually? <laughs> <laughs> um, if, before I get into that, I, I should probably, you know, tell our our audience that actually Katrina has been a very long time friend of mine. So you know, it's kind of strange for me to kind of make this look like like we don't know each other when we actually do know each other very well. <laughs> so going a few years back or however long it was, what inspired you to go to law school? Yeah, so I kind of was one of those people from the very beginning who was told like, you should be a lawyer because I love to uh, conflict resolve and I love to debate and just really wanted to understand why things were the way they were and really wanted everything to be just and fair in society. And so I got interested in it in high school, took my first law class and just fell in love. And then I went to um, Carleton because I had a law program and just continued to like fuel that passion and build it and learn more about social justice issues that I'm passionate about. And uh, all of it just really kept me on that path to what I wanted to do since high school, and that was to go to law school and to uh, obtain my Juris Doctorate and now work in a, uh, in a law firm. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's actually quite similar to how I came to, to, to what inspired me to go to law school, along with, you know, having the diverse skill set that they teach you in law school through the classes and through experience. Yeah, for me, originally, and I think I, I, I told you this like, like years ago, but I actually got accepted into Carlton's journalism program. Mm -hmm. and, but then I realized, wait, there's a law program at Carleton. So, you know what? I'm just going to switch over before I step <laughs> into a journalism uh, classroom and just go into law instead. And it worked out. So, um, but yeah, I, I had uh, people in my family and some of my, uh, some of my friends tell me that, yeah, it would, it would be great to, it, you know, going to law school and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's always like the people around you know better than you. They're like, your personality. 
Yeah. <laughs> going along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, it, I think it, it, there's also a certain personality, I guess, for like, so if some people can kind of see it. And, you know, once, once they say it, they're more often than not correct in a yeah. way, in a good way, that is. So, um, uh, so, you know, I mean, it worked out for both of us. So that's, that's the, uh, that's the, 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 the important part. Um, but, uh, what's more interesting, I think, at least from my personal perspective, uh, perspective rather is that is your career actually in rugby so what inspired you to pursue rugby i grew up playing sports i started playing hockey when i was three and played hockey my whole life and was like i'm gonna go play hockey at carlton and then in grade 10 i um like a couple of my hockey friends were playing rugby and i'd seen it and i was kind of like oh what's this sport and I just went out to a practice actually with a different school because my high school didn't have a team. So I just like showed up at a different high school's practice. I was like, can I try this out? And um, they were like, I guess, sure. Why not? And they let us start training. Um, I, I went with uh, one of my other friends and they let us train. And eventually they petitioned to the school district to be able to allow us to play with them and in the league because our school didn't have a team and there wasn't enough interest in my school to have a team. And that's kind of when I fell in love with the sport. I had played hockey my whole life, loved hockey, thought it was like the only sport for me and then started rugby and was like, oh my God, this sport is terrifying. It is terrifying, but it is so fun and it is so complex and challenging. And it just like, I, the more I learned about rugby, the more confused I got about rugby. Like it was just such a fun puzzle that I felt like I could almost crack the code, almost solve, but like never fully get there. So I feel like it just was something that challenged me every single time I showed up to practice or a game. And I just loved being challenged and not being able to master anything. <laughs> it was like always being bad at it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, the like, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, when you, your first impressions about rugby, that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you about because yeah, it seemed like, like you mentioned, it seems like it was such a terrifying sport. And for a lot of people who, have watched it for the first time, they would feel quite terrified about it because it's basically like, I mean, this for a lot of them, at least, their first impression is it's American football without any of the protective equipment. <laughs> so I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah, it definitely has like a bad rep on first glance because it is so fast. It is so confusing. You have to pass the ball backwards, which I think is like the biggest, like what? Like you're tackling and you're passing the ball backwards. How are you moving forwards? Like, what is this? And so it definitely gets like a weird reputation when people look at it. Or when I tell people I pr play rugby, they're like, oh, isn't that dangerous? And I'm like, no, no, it's not dangerous. It's, you know, as risky as any sport you're playing, like all injuries are possible. All injuries are on the table. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're taught how to do it properly, just like hitting in hockey. Like you're taught how to do it properly and safely so you don't get hurt. Yeah. And similar with uh, with martial arts as well, although, you know, part of that is about, you know, knocking <laughs> the guy down. <laughs> but like even when you're training, um uh when you're training it's still like whether if it's if it's karate or mma or kickboxing or or that sort of thing when you're sparring you're not exactly well you're not in a cage fight you're not in an actual competition fight yet mm -hmm. and even then there are rules right mm -hmm. there's no no low hits um you can't hit certain areas so on and so forth and there are certain things you can and can't do but yeah when you're training there's like they, they teach you how to do it how to train it train properly mm -hmm. um which is why you see a lot of the masters uh like they're they know when to show full force and also when to stop right before they hit somebody mm -hmm. like it's so precise when, when, yeah. when they hit so I, I mean to me it seems like there's a lot of similarities between martial arts and rugby in that in that situation and i think you mentioned 
back when we were both studying at Carlton, uh, you you actually did uh, take some kickboxing classes like back in the day, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. I used to, not kickboxing, kind of wish it was kickboxing. It was just boxing and I like learned to spar. Never actually wanted to do it for real, but I did in my off season. I would um, do some boxing because I found it just to be such a great uh, cross training for rugby. The fitness was like so high and rugby fitness is high, but something about boxing, you don't get a break. So it's like mm. just you constantly going. So I think that helped me so much be able to be in shape for rugby and kind of toughened me up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like you probably already know this, but, you know, like in a in a match, whether it's a, a competitive match or even just protecting yourself, if you run into a horrible situation on, in the streets, you know, first of all, you don't want to get into a fight <laughs> on the streets, <laughs> but like. A minute is forever, like forever in a match, you know, that's why when you, when I see these rounds, you know, I mean, a lot of people who don't know about the sport don't realize that two minutes per round, especially when it's, if it's boxing or I forgot how many minutes it is for, for a UFC match, whatever. It's like two minutes or two minutes and a half. It -hmm. takes forever, right? It's like incredible endurance. Oh my gosh. It does remind me like seeing stuff like that and just knowing how tough people who participate in those sports are like in rugby when we're doing our physical trainings a lot of the time our coaches will say like five seconds like you're going to go into this battle and I need you to battle hard for five seconds and in practice it feels like an hour they're like that five seconds is the thing that is going to take you down like you are dying your body is on fire and it's like that was five seconds (laughs) like all I did was work hard for five seconds and I'm exhausted so it is very funny how slow time moves when you're in situations like that yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, myself, I, I used to do uh, karate back in the old days, uh, Shotokan and Chito Ryu karate, like for three years and stuff. And I stopped because there wasn't enough sparring experience. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it's one thing like and in, in karate, we learn a lot about katas, right? So like katas uh, is basically like a, like a string of movements that you kind of practice to learn. There's a lot of Japanese tradition behind it, but there's also a lot of, you know, memory of trying to know the movements like a punch, a high block, mm-hmm. low block, side kick, front kick, roundhouse kick, so on and so forth, and elbows and all, all that stuff. But when you're actually protecting yourself or you're in a situation, you don't actually go into those st- those formal stances. Like you're kind of, you're, you're just, you're kind of just adapting as you're moving. You're not going to go yeah. into like a horse stance or a, or a front stance or whatever. You're actually, you know, you know, you're moving around. You're trying to make sure you're not an open, an open standing target. Uh, so it's 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 just so different. Like, but the fitness, yeah, like the fitness is you got to have good cardio. You also have to have good strength, but you can't mm-hmm. be too bulky because yeah. you slow down, right? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 a lot of fun back in the day when I when I did it. But you know, I stopped and uh, and, and stuff like that. But but yeah, I mean, going back to rugby, uh, take us back to your first few rugby games i believe you were playing for burnaby lake at the time we're probably a different team i'm not too sure uh but take us back to that first set of rugby games what was it like when you first stepped on that field for the first time oh my gosh so embarrassing to think about that because i was back in high school actually so i was playing for carson graham um, high school rugby team and i remember the coaches because i was always scared he would um is rolling subs and I did not start because we had um, girls from grade 12 all the way down to grade eight, I think, at the beginning, the first few games. So I was in grade 10. I was not tall, not big. I wasn't small or anything. I wasn't big or small. I was kind of just in the middle. Uh, but I remember hearing him call my name 
And I was so scared. So I was like, oh my God, I have to go on the field now. And I'd watched what had happened on the field. And in high school rugby, it is the messiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, there is no. nothing messier than high school rugby. Maybe junior rugby is messier, but they're not tackling yet. This is like full messy. No one knows how to pass. Everything is just a mess. And I stepped onto the field absolutely terrified. And I think I just threw the ball away. The first time it came into my hands, I think I just like threw it away. I was like, I don't want to get tackled. I don't want I don't think I made a single tackle. I don't think I did like a single thing I was supposed to. I was a train wreck the first time I stepped on the field. <laughs> and I think I vowed after that to myself. I was like, okay, I don't know how to play. I really need to like do better, work hard, put in those hours of training and actually try and understand, which was a different feeling that I had felt in sports because most sports I had done soccer, hockey, those things I understood before I played because my siblings played and I grew up watching my siblings play as well. Whereas rugby, I'd never seen a game before. And so it was a cool challenge to go and be like, wow, I am the worst I will ever be today. And I am going to make sure I'm never this bad again. <laughs> that was like the first one. And then I think it improved. The improvement rate with rugby is quite fast, almost like snowboarding where it's like, you're so bad. And then suddenly it just like clicks and you get it. More so, you don't throw the ball away. You learn you can just like run. If you don't know how to pass, you can just yeah. run. And so it just started to click after that. And then it got a lot less nerve wracking because I understood the things I could do well. It's like I can run, I'm fit enough, and I'm not much smaller than anyone else here. So I'm not going to get crushed or thrown around. And I started to have more confidence in myself in that, uh, in that area. Yeah, I think that the, those those early challenges that you faced at that time, I think it's also transferable in the law as well, because especially in law school, I think everyone who's listening to this or watching this is going to relate to this. Those first few months are the roughest things you've ever done in your life academically. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I still get Vietnam war flashbacks to my first month. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, so many sleepless nights, you know, in my, in my, my, when I was, I mean, law school wasn't that long ago for me. It was like four years ago, uh, as of, of the, as of this recording date. But I mean, oh my, oh my goodness. Like, and at the time we also had, I had to, had to prepare for, a, uh, an in school moot as well. Oh, so gosh. balancing that and finding your groove in the law school sense, not to mention worrying about the curve, the, the, the bell curve for marks and stuff like that. And also like first year recruit, which takes up, by the way, it takes up way too much space in the, uh, in people's minds. You know, it, it, everyone's like, Oh, you gotta get your one L recruit or two L recruit and all that kind of stuff, man, the stress is just insane. But like after the first year, all of a sudden your second year, you, you realize I have all this extra time and it feels like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, the extra time I didn't feel that as much, <laughs> but that's because I had a very uh, busy schedule doing both. But I do remember it being very similar. Like the first few days, even starting work, it's kind of you, like you get a challenge and you realize I'm so bad at this. Like I have to put in this work and you get so stressed and anxious, but it's definitely something that I think I've benefited from having those like, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing moments in sports. And then going into school, I have those, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing moments, but I remember I'm like, okay, like you can do this. You did, you know how to do this. You know how to get through this. You can practice, you can study, you can, you know, ask for help. You can work with your peers. You can build a team, all these different things. So definitely feel like those moments in sports at a young age helped me from being that traumatized student on the first day of law school. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and and I think a lot of uh, athletes from other sports who went into law school feel the same way as well. And some of them uh, came from professional sports. Even there is this uh, this one guy who did uh, the civil law program uh, at Ottawa U, and he he played AHL hockey, I think, from what I remember. And like that transition was well, was a lot easier for him, and also for a lot of the people in common law who I, I knew a couple of people who used to play for the women's hockey team for the Gigi's, mm-hmm. and then went into law school. And yeah, like that adjustment was was still difficult for them, but you know they realized that they had to rely on a lot of support, and that's one of the things that in especially for team sports, it's that support and that team behind you, and you learn a lot of that from your from your old days whether from you started playing team sports when you were younger or if you're playing it even just recently and stuff and i think that's like a massive massive advantage that a lot of athletes have that most people who don't play sports don't have or mm-hmm. those who played solo sports ne- don't necessarily have or not as much so mm-hmm. that was a massive advantage I-, I think for for them and i think it was for you as well when you started out Oh, definitely. I feel like it was a huge thing to have. And having it while I was in law school as well, it wasn't as much of a shell shock. I definitely think it would have been different had I gone into first year and not had already been in training camp like the month before, already been at school, already explored the campus, already done all of that and kind of situated myself in the city I was going to school in. So that definitely helped. And even on the first day, you know, I got to show up in my <laughs> my dino's backpack and it made me feel like some sense of belonging and some sense of community there. And I think that's just something that can't be bought. Like it is such a huge help. And I'm so lucky to have had that opportunity because having that just took away so much anxiety and so much fear and worry. And so it was just very, very nice. And I felt very lucky to have that going into uh the first year that's the, that that's great and i mean in your first year at carlton i mean that would would have been a massive major life change for you at the time oh my gosh yeah that's even better one to think of too because like i moved out there and it was the first time i was away from home i was across the country and uh first experience was like going getting picked up at the airport by um some girls on the team and they just let us stay at their house during training camp. And you had to like hope that you made the team too, or else it would have been awkward. Like you're staying at this house instead of like you're cut from tryouts and you're not going with them anymore. Um, and then it transitioned to being on uh, on res. But I had already had, you know, that experience where I was staying with these people who showed me like, where do you grocery shop? And like, how do you take transportation? How do you get around Ottawa? And then I had these built-in friends too. And they were built-in mentors even. And it's very similar to kind of the mentors you get through law school. But it was just having these people who have been through it, who are kind of aware of the challenges you're probably going through on day one as like scared deer in headlights. And so having that on the first day there was so, so helpful. And then the first actual day moving into res, like again, I had already explore the campus. I had already seen the res building I was going to be in. I had already met people at school. So I didn't feel that pressure to kind of find your community right away, which I think is a very tough situation to be in, especially on the first day on the res when like everyone's moving in and it's so crazy and scary. So yeah. definitely <laughs> great. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I think you lived in Prescott because I think a lot, of, a lot of the athletes lived in Prescott or... I was not with any other athletes. I was in Dundas and oh. like the fishbowl. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, I, I I lived I lived in Lennox. Oh, okay. um, yeah, the newest building, the the one with the paper thin walls. But I mean, yep. 
like to me, I always found like one of the best ones because not only because it was newer, but because you know, it, like, I had a single room for from year two, year three, and year four. Mm-hmm. And oh man, I, I but but year one, I had to share a room with the, with a roommate at the time. And oh man, like I mean, especially when you know, like like Frost Week when it, it it's all oh, this like oh my goodness, like I just stayed home. I I didn't go to like the vast majority of the events because I'm not really a party guy. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm more of an introvert m- myself, so like you know, going out and partying and partying until two a.m. like that's not my my kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah. No, I remember that too. I we had a dry season that year that was like implemented. So Frost Week was not something I was participating in. Our training sessions were at six thirty in the morning every morning. So I had the reverse schedule of my roommate. I also shared in like a tiny tiny room, and she would go out and party. And be up until like 3 a.m. And I'd be waking up a few hours later to go to rugby and be up oh, all day. No. And she would sleep while I was gone. And it was it was really funny. We barely got to spend any time together because we were always sleeping at opposite times. That's insane. <laughs> that is fun. insane. Was, like I got lucky because she was really respectful and she was quiet enough. Like she wouldn't bring people into the room when I was sleeping. She was really sweet in that regard. So I feel like as an athlete too, you could get really unlucky yeah. and have the opposite where your roommate does not care about your schedule. And yeah, she was a really deep sleeper as well. So I didn't wake her up when I had to like clamber out at six in the morning to walk to the field. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I know I feel that too. And and when I in my first year, I lived on a so-called quiet floor. <laughs> But it was not a quiet floor. It was not a quiet floor. And um, uh, I mean, the good news was at least for Frost Week, like after Frost Week was over, things kind of slowed down. But there were still like nights in that first year where and a lot I, I found I found a lot of issues with a lot of the the kids back then, because I mean, to be frank, they're I mean, when you're an 18 year old, you're still a kid. Right. <laughs> so a lot of them, they didn't know what to do with, with so much free time. Right. Yeah. Because with when you're in high school, every single part of your day is structured out. Like from nine to three, or however long your your school day was, you got this class at this time, lunch period at this time, this class at this time. Da, 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 da. And if you're if you're an athlete at the time, you've got after school practice or even before school practice. But now, when you're in university, all of a sudden you're not in class every single day. Depending mm-hmm. on your program, of course. I mean, for engineering students, you're in class pretty much every day. But for us, we were busy. But you know, if and you remember the, the law program, like we, there were days where we wouldn't even have classes for that entire day if we planned it out well, yeah, uh, and registered well. And all of a sudden, a lot of the students, they're like, like I don't know what to do with this time. And yeah. Frosh, we gave them that wrong impression of, oh, it's actually just parties and university. He's like, no, it's not. It's studying. You know, you got to yeah. pay. Not only are you paying your for tuition, even if you're not paying for your tuition, the whole point of university is to study and to do well in school, and you know hopefully get a good, good paying job outside of that or apply for an academic program afterwards. But a lot of kids don't know about that or don't realize that and they get the wrong idea. So they just waste their time. And I mean, like and their health just dips too. Oh, yeah. Like, no, definitely. And that's something that's so nice about having sports. Like if you can play sports, if you have played sports all your life, like keep up at sports because regardless of if it's varsity or not, just having something to remind you that like everything is like everything is separate you have school you know you have your sports but like life is not just a party it is like party when you can but also remember you have to study and then remember you need to like keep yourself healthy and have these activities that are good for you and good for your body and good for your mind and so definitely like 
thankful to to have that because like you said not having a schedule I think I would have gone crazy I wanted to have a very rigid schedule I love that I thrive under that like you have to be here at this time and you have to be here at this time and you had to just like plan everything out and my study time would always be like you have two hours you know like three to five that's when you can study you have to study if you don't study here you don't get to study today so it would be very difficult without that Exactly. And this is also an important piece of advice for those in our audience who are not anywhere close to law school, but are thinking about going to law school. One of the things that you will notice in law school, uh, if you choose to go to law school, is that it's you have to be very structured in how you do things. I mean, don't get me wrong. Different people have different studies, study patterns, but they all have some kind of a pattern or schedule when they're doing things in law school. Because not only only are you balancing time to go to class, you're also balancing time to study. On top of that, you're also balancing time to make to keep to keep yourself healthy, you know, physically and and mentally as as well. For me, I started doing this more of like a 2017 resolution, New Year's resolution. I started actually lifting weights like seriously. Well, not like competitively seriously, but you know, like very often and and since university I, I kept it up all all the way till now like since that I, I made that new year's resolution to myself i've been keeping that for getting close to six years now like i mean wow. five and a half years so you know and it i feel very very different you know to, i i i used to hit the gym like six days a week uh six days a week like uh three days of upper body three days of legs uh just trying to make sure that I, I don't look, you know, out of proportion, disproportionate and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> and now, you know, uh, after I graduated law school, I tone it down to five days a week now, but I still maintain that kind of, of, of schedule. Like every time I come back from work, I always make, you know, about an hour or an hour and a half of my time to, to exercise and stuff and to, to lift weights and get to get my workouts in. And it, it, it feels, you feel very different after that, even now. That's what mm -hmm. I found. Um, I, my energy levels are, are a lot, a lot more. I don't have to rely. I, I never drank coffee before and mm -hmm. I still have never drank coffee. And even after exercising, I even less have to worry about coffee because, yeah. you know, yet you, you get enough sleep, exercise, you drink enough water and you eat, right. You have enough energy, energy to, to last the day. Um, and at least that's from what I was able to find from my own schedule. So, yeah, no, definitely. Like if you have that rhythm or some kind of thing that works for you that's what sports helped me find but it's something that like I advise all of my friends or colleagues or people I'm mentoring I always say just try and figure out what works for you and what level of activity you want and you know what your time looks like in a day and just don't over schedule yourself if it's not going to work but just finding little things little goals to set like you know I want to go for three walks this week three 10 minute walks it's not a big deal three 10 minute study break walk something like that to kind of help balance yourself and the more you do it like you said like the more you do it it becomes this pattern and it just becomes ingrained in you and it doesn't feel like a chore anymore it's just like oh yeah it's something i have to do like i'm gonna go to the gym now after work and it's something you get excited for you're like wow i finished work and i get to go to the gym now it's gonna feel so good and then after the gym i'm gonna feel amazing and then it just like helps top off your day and help you kind of recycle all of that stuff that's happened and just wake up and fresh and anew and ready for a new day yeah absolutely absolutely and for you i mean on top of keeping yourself healthy you also have to keep yourself competitive as well in in rugby especially during Carl the, the the carlton days 
you were playing in the RSEQ. As you know, it is, oh man, like it's so competitive. Like you're facing top level teams, especially the U Ottawa GGs, which boats some world class players there. How did you prepare for, for these teams? Like it, these were incredible challenges that you had to face. How did you prepare for them? It was definitely like always our big game when we would play the GGs because the team was still growing. The program itself was still developing. I think now they're doing amazing. I've been following their progress and they've been just doing phenomenal. It's been really fun to watch. But um, because they're in that league, that is just such an insanely hard league. We would do everything we could to train for the games and just mentally prepare and go into the games, not fearing what was going to happen, but just really focus on little moments in the games from start just focus on like you know your next five minutes your next five minutes and just keep doing that and not focusing on the score and learning how to drop the bad things that happen because we knew going into it like this was going to be hard and we didn't care if we won obviously that's always the goal like you always want to win but um our biggest goal was always to go out and do better than we did the game before so if and being on the team for four years, it would be better than, you know, the year before. So if the score the year before was this, like I personally and the girls in my year and the years above always wanted to do better than what we had done that year. And I think we managed that. If I'm looking back correctly, I think from my second year, I don't count that one because I was not playing that year. Um, I was unfortunately out that season with an illness. Um, but in my first year, I think we had a, pretty bad loss around like 50 to zero and then my third year I think we margin like narrowed that down to like 30 to zero and then in my last year it was the last game I played with the Ravens actually that we played the GGs and I think we were only down by like five at the end of the first half which was insane like absolutely insane and we were so proud of ourselves and I think we lost that game like 20 to zero I could be so wrong on the scores because it's been so long but like, that's what it felt like. Um, and I just remember that last year, like that was our goal was to put everything on the field that first half and just like do our very best to not let them score on us, to just play our game and to just like hold them off, hold them off, hold them off. And we did. And it was so cool to have that be the last game. And that was the last time I got to wear the Ravens jersey. And it was uh, a, just a really good way to end because we knew that team was so strong. I mean, they were coached by an amazing coach and they just had amazing players as well. I think a lot of them have gone on to play, you know, on like team Ontario, team Quebec, and some of them on team Canada, which is uh, an amazing accomplishment. And it's cool to see them now and be like, wow, I got to play against those players and uh, actually playing with someone who played on the GGs while I was there on my club team. Um, now, which is really funny. I showed up wearing my Raven shirt and she showed up wearing her GG shirt and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> It was like the Spider-Man um, meme. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> so, so that's another great thing about rugby, though. You have those rivals or the like rivals when it comes to on the field. But um, off the field, you have such a deep respect for the people you play against and the skills that they bring to the field. Even so that years down the line, you could see each other just wearing that shirt and you have that instant connection to be like, wow, you played in that league. Like you played RCQ. That's amazing. And to know that you played against someone to be like, oh my God, I remember like when you tackled me like this. I remember <laughs> when you like turned over the ball on me and all this stuff. And it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun for me to start announcing rugby too. Um, that's actually how we, how we actually met in Carlton because yeah, yeah it was my first season 
announcing really anything. At the time, I was a PA announcer, uh, stadium announcer for soccer, mainly for soccer and also mainly for rugby. And I filled in for for basketball and hockey on the auto on the uh, odd occasion and, and and whatnot. And yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun because for me, I had never watched a full game of rugby before. Like that never happened for me. So for me, what to have watched that, it was a massive learning curve for me as well. And I actually, the, that, the year that you played in your first year, um, I actually think I remember like you, like you guys lost. I mean, you guys lost. I mean, we, we lost it to the, to the Gigi's like 93 to nothing or something like yeah. that, that first game. Yeah. I think that was my second year. And that was the year I didn't play. I remember that game it was like 100 to zero. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. I think it was second year. Yeah. I was on the sideline and just so I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was not our best year. It was <laughs> that was a transition year. <laughs> oh, oh. yeah, yeah. No, no. I I remember I remember that. Uh, but it it was yeah. it was a lot of fun. And you know, myself trying to get the terminology down because you know, and especially especially since it was my first season ever doing it, I was nervous as yeah. nervous can be. Uh, okay. But I, yeah, I mean, but yeah, but I mean, I was very grateful to have to have had the chance to announce. Uh, uh, rugby at the time, and you know, transition. You know, as as you know, like I ended up doing more sports and doing different things and all, all that stuff. But but oh, oh man, I I also need to make this disclaimer though, because especially since um a lot of our podcasters on the Law School show are from Ottawa U, and I've also announced for the GGs as well. I got to say, you know, I'm I'm still a GG, but <laughs> I, I'm also a Raven, so I have dual citizenship here. <laughs> <laughs> very fair very fair it's definitely like i feel like when you learn rugby and you're playing it it becomes easier but watching rugby is so difficult and to announce mm. rugby I, I couldn't imagine i don't even think i could announce rugby knowing the game just because it moves so fast and there's so many different things you have to catch and say yeah it's definitely impressive and we appreciated having announcers because a lot of the female sports especially rugby you know, didn't get as much recognition and as much um just as many things you know we didn't have tickets for our games we didn't have announcers sometimes and uh it was just always really nice when we did it made us feel really special and really connected to the school when they put that um that extra effort into our program yeah you know and and i'm honestly like i'm very grateful to have had like i, I know i said it before but you know i i gotta say it again like i'm very very grateful to have had the opportunity to do that because you know a guy like me who never announced a sport before university now all of a sudden announcing that level of sport i was really nervous like genuinely nervous like to the extent where my heart was just pounding out of my chest <laughs> each and every time like i i back in high school i only did pa announcements which is a whole different thing from uh what when, i mean i did pa announcements but like it was just announcing the day's activities and it was like for what 10 minutes mm -hmm. but now i'm announcing for like two hours and <laughs> on top of that like it's for spectators and you know like if spectators don't like it they can you know, yeah. roast you. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I actually have a funny full circle moment that I had at the Nationals in Ottawa in 2019. Um, when I was playing for the Dinos, the team we went up against was the GGs, and that was our first game at Nationals. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is bizarre that we're playing the GGs. Like, what are the odds we would go in in the standings? And that was the team we were playing out of, like, all the eight teams we ended up against the GGs. I was just like, oh, of yeah, course. Of course, yeah. And there's, yeah. there's something unique about the Ravens and GGs rivalry as well. Oh, yeah. That I don't see anywhere in Canada. I just yeah. don't see it. Like, 
it doesn't matter what sport it is. Of course, the big ones are basketball and football, but anywhere, like it's, I mean, even like if you're not even playing the sport, even if you're just like the staff, like I was yeah. just telling when, uh, when I was still in law school and still announcing for the GGs, I ran into one of the players from, from the women's volleyball team and I announced volleyball for them as well. And, and I was, I, I was telling, telling her like, you know, I used to announce for the Ravens. She's like, Oh, so you announced <laughs> for the Ravens. Hmm. <laughs> oh oh man, it's like it's like yeah. I, I came from the quote unquote dark side or the light side or wherever. You know, I got dual citizenship right now, so it's just like you know, I, I'm kind of on both sides of the equation right now. So I'm getting roasted by both sides and you know <laughs> and stuff. But yeah, the, the rivalry, like especially Capital Hoops. Um, when I announced that one on TSN two years ago, the energy is just so different. And oh, both yeah. teams, they play like out of their minds. Yeah, it's insane. Like whether it's men's basketball or women's basketball, like there's just something. Like they play well in general. Like don't get yeah. me wrong, they play like we play well in general. But when we're facing each other, I mean, I'm going to use a Dragon Ball term, and this will be great for a lot of our Dragon Ball fans. <laughs> it's like Goku versus Vegeta. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like the best of the best. They face each other, and they know each other so well. They know yeah. their play style so well. And they and once they play, it's it's like magic. It's like yeah. magic. Oh, it's very it's very fun. It was always a fun time to play in those games. Like it was always different, and the spectators are crazy, and you just have like this atmosphere, and you know you're gonna represent your school, and it's very it's just different. It was always different playing them. Yeah, yeah, and you know, going back to those days, whether you were playing for the Ravens or for the Dinos, like. Take us through a typical day, a training day and a typical game day. Like, what do you prepare or, or get through in those days? So with Ravens, it was a bit different than with Dinos. Um, because it was the RCQ, most of the games, not most, but I guess half of the games were away games. And so they would be kind of a far, a far drive. And you were getting in the bus early in the morning to go to like Montreal, something like that. So very mental or like prep oriented, lots of like being focused and getting yourself mentally ready, understanding what you need for the bus ride, um, you know, getting up, making sure you eat breakfast that day or eat whatever you need and uh, know that you're going to kind of be on from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. when the game ends. And so it was a lot of that. And then just hoping you got to the field on time to get a really good warm up. And sometimes you'd be late. And those days were a lot more <laughs> tricky. But typically, I'd say we'd wake up early. Um, like Carlton, the bus would be like outside athletics, go to the Timmy's every time and <laughs> go get like whatever from the Timmy's and the coach would like look at what you got and just like check to see if you're eating something that was appropriate pregame. Um, and then you'd get on the bus and there were snacks on the bus. So you'd be sitting there. I would kind of just be listening to music. I think everyone braids hair because that's the time you have to like get ready for rugby. And it's not like other sports. You can just like toss your hair up. You got to have some kind of hairstyle that is going to survive the um, game. And so it'd be a lot of that. And just uh, kind of, you know, your mental preparation, your visualizations, that would all be going on. And then you'd arrive at the field around if our game was at one. We'd get there about an hour and a half beforehand. And then you would go to the change room start getting your stuff on, still listening to music on your own. Or if you're someone who gets hyped with other people, you'd be just kind of like getting ready with the music. I always played um, like wall ball with uh, a couple of my teammates. We would just go outside with like bouncy balls and just like chuck the ball at the wall and like 
just play that beforehand. That always got me really hyped and ready to go. And then team warm up would start about an hour before the game. You're running through with just your positions and then you run through all together and then kickoff happens and play your heart out. Game ends, go back to the change room. Sometimes you'd shower. Sometimes you wouldn't have time or like there just won't be facilities for it. And then you hop back on the bus, get some food and then go back home and get ready to train the next week. That is busy. That yeah. is busy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, man. Oh, man. <laughs> from from morning all the way till evening. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Like that, that That is actually intense. And yeah, yeah I mean, it, 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 it just goes to show like the discipline that you have to have when you're playing not just rugby, but really any sport. But in your yeah. case, rugby, you know, have, to have that kind of discipline. And you mentioned that point about about your coach checking what you've got at, at, at Timmy's. Yeah, I think I remember your team, the rugby team in particular, had like a dietitian that was devoted to just <laughs> looking at the food and what you're getting, the kind of calories you were eating and like the good calories, bad calories, so on and so forth. Like that was in there too. Yeah. Oh yeah, we had a dietitian there and he would help you kind of learn what you needed for your body, which was super helpful. But as much as the dietitian was there to help you, it still was completely on you to try and figure out how to meal prep and balance all of that on top of it, which was in um, undergrad compared to law school, something that I struggled with. Like I did not know how to keep myself healthy and fed and be eating enough. So you definitely notice if you weren't being good at your nutrition, like if you weren't following your nutritional plans, things like that, like you would notice in the gym none of your lifts would be going up, like none of your weights would be increasing and you'd be getting faster, but you wouldn't be getting stronger. Like I noticed when I was in like middle of the season, I was losing like a ton of weight and being super quick, but I was like, this isn't helpful for what I actually need to be doing in my position. Like I need to be quick, but I also need to be quite strong. And so it was nice to have a nutritionist, but um, it still fell on our backs to cook for ourselves and find that time, which when you're in school, it's so difficult to find time and also funds. Like you have to be able to afford your own food and eating healthy is very expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it is quite expensive. And another thing that I also realized, like for me, it was actually quite easier to eat healthy. Like, I mean, from, from my standpoint, but I mean, I'm not trying to compare because, you know, I was never an athlete. Well, I kind of was for like a year in grade eight for volleyball, but we, we don't count that because that's <laughs> not anywhere close to... To, to women's rugby at, at at your level, not anywhere close, but like for me, because you know I'm Asian, I'm I, I'm Chinese, right? And a lot of our foods are in general low fat and mm -hmm. low sugar, with the exception of white rice, of course. But even then, like that was our most of the time our only source of sugar and carbs. Mm -hmm. Everything else was you know vegetables, a, a bit of meat, but not a, a crazy amount of it, or even yeah. protein in general. So for me, like I, I, as I grew up, and a lot of my fellow uh, fellow Asian peers would would also experience the same thing. For us, we, if anything, whenever we exercised, we actually gained weight because because we our our diet is very different from Western diets. From what I found, like mm -hmm. even our fast foods, quote unquote, like for Chinese fast food, dim sum would be considered our our fast food, um, uh, like. Like the bows, the 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 shrimp dumplings, the seafood yeah. dumplings, uh, all all that stuff. That stuff is relatively low fat unless you're going to a restaurant and they're trying to serve up, you know, 
with extra oil and all that kind of stuff, but that's a different story. But in general, like we're not eating hamburgers or, or fries or pretend or whatever for our fast food. So like that's the baseline for us. And our typical food that we eat every day is like, you know, vegetables, rice, and some meat as well. So yeah. for me, what I found with the only thing that was lacking was that I wasn't eating enough protein. Yeah. So I ramped up my protein consumption to the extent where I was eating like two plates of food a day. Um, and I still do. And like two big bowls of soup, because we're also huge on soup as well, like clear soups and all that kind of stuff, but like lots of protein on my end. And I, yeah, I had to gain weight in order to, when I was exercising. So, uh, unlike for what I found a lot of Westerners, when they exercise, they tend to lose weight. Yeah. Um, but that's just something it's not exactly like a hundred percent relevant, I guess, to what we're talking about, but that's what I found. Like, you know, like yeah. a, a strange connection that I found. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. I think like the biggest problem for female athletes, especially. So our nutritionist when I was at um, Carlson was a male nutritionist, which was not a problem, but we actually had a female nutritionist at um, University of Calgary for the dinos. And she was a former Olympic speed skater. And she spoke about the science that's being done about female bodies and how it's really hard for um, female athletes to be able to actually be feeding themselves properly. And the vitamins and the minerals, the protein, all of these different things that women need, especially to do with like cycles and things like that, um, is being missed by a lot of female athletes, even at the highest level. And it's having a major impact on energy levels in um, student athletes and things like that. So there's a massive prevalence of low iron and iron deficiencies amongst athletes. And yeah. all of us at Carleton had to get tested for that um, before we played so they could make sure we were healthy. And um yeah, I ended up having to take iron supplements. I think at least 90% of the team was taking supplements because you just had to. Um, it's really hard to get in your diet. And I think there's just a problem with that uh, that aspect for women just because when you're working out at that level, you're losing so much, you're burning so much that it's almost impossible <laughs> to like maintain what you need to eat, especially when you don't have someone helping you and you're younger and it's harder and you're not as experienced with cooking and all of those things. Yeah. And I find that it, when you mentioned the iron deficiency, one thing I realized with a lot of Western foods, especially with the vegetables, because for us, like spinach is one of, the, one of the first things we think about when it comes to iron and stuff. But mm -hmm. in like for Chinese food, and I would also assume it would be the same thing for Korean and Japanese food, but I'll speak as, as a Chinese, as a Canadian born Chinese person, I'll speak from the Chinese perspective. We have a lot of vegetables that are just very similar to spinach. But they mm -hmm. taste even better, right? So we have our Chinese broccoli, which, by the way, it's you know in Chinese it's called gailan, um, but you know in English they call it Chinese broccoli or or whatever. We have um, uh, I I'm sorry I had to speak in Chinese because there actually isn't a lot of English terminology for some of these vegetables. <laughs> um, but these are all like all of our vegetables, like they're so tasty on their own, and mm -hmm. they're also healthy at the same time. I would boil or steam just some stalks of gylon and I wouldn't even have to add any seasoning, not even salt or pepper. Once I steam it or boil it and I take it out and I start eating it, it's already flavorful on its own. And mm -hmm. it's a lot easier because when you have vegetables like that, eating healthy is actually fun, at least from, from the Chinese perspective. But what I yeah. realized that I'm like, I now I know, I understand why, you know, there's the, there's the old adage of, you know, telling, telling kids to eat your vegetables in North America because when I've eaten Western vegetables like broccoli or cauliflower, they're not as flavorful as a lot of the Asian vegetables. 
Oh, which totally. is yeah, which is why I mean, if you've seen a lot of Westerners when they when they try out uh, like very traditional Asian cuisines, like especially the vegetables, they're blown away by how good it actually tastes. Yeah, and that helps a lot with even training because when eating healthy is actually fun and tasty, and you look forward to it, it's a whole different mindset. At least from my at least from my own personal perspective it's so much different than when you have oh i now i have to eat like this plate of brown rice with you know this flavorless chicken or mm -hmm. you know that kind yeah. of thing right it's just so different oh totally yeah and it's such an important aspect even for like students when you're in law school too i feel like nutrition is so important that it's like something people are lacking a lot and when you're busy in the school the time all you eat is the you know more western style unhealthy fast foods so that's something you have to try and take into account with your time and your scheduling is when you're going to set aside time to cook for yourself and make sure you're like prepped for that, you know, week ahead and those long days. And even as a lawyer, like working as an articling student right now, I find on Sundays, like that's the day I sit down and I try and plan out my meals for the week so that I have something so that I'm not going out and not spending money and I'm not doing all these things. And now that I'm older, it's a bit easier. And now that I kind of like know a lot more i had a lot of experience with nutritionists now from being in sports that i've been given a lot of information and now i'm more equipped to use it and to uh to do a better job at fueling myself and not just for exercise but fueling myself for a long day in an office using like your brain all day yeah and i often find that for, with, for myself especially when i was studying for the bar exam which ugh, even <laughs> just mentioning the bar exam which is it's i found that eating seafood also helps for me, at least for for fish. But to be fair, I've done that even since since high school and middle school because you know omega three and all that kind of stuff good for your brain and whatever and yeah. stuff. But for me, like I, I tend to eat like at least once a week. I eat seafood, and yeah. uh, and that also helps me because I get my protein, but I also it's also kind of low fat, and at the same time, like the the fatty acids are actually beneficial for your for your brain growth or maintaining your brain health and all, all that stuff. Yeah. So there's that as well. And yeah, the, the right kind of food, like y'all, not only do you need, need the kind of right kind of fuel for your physical health, but also for your mental health as well. Mm -hmm. And that was something that, I mean, it, it's also very admirable to see, you know, athletes trying to balance that because every single part of their day, even what they eat and what they do is so dependent on how they perform on the pitch or on yeah. the ice or on the court. So mm -hmm. it's, absolutely fascinating like absolutely fascinating yeah definitely yeah so even after you graduated from carlton's law program you as we all know we st you still played youth sports rugby during your law school years with the dinos so you know balancing your training and your your training days and your game days with your time studying in law school that's a whole different beast in and of itself how did you do that yeah this is definitely different um having the entire like four-year undergrad program to <laughs> warm up to this was very helpful. I was very lucky because one of my teammates was actually in law school as well and we were in all the same classes and so we were able to collaborate together and create schedules that worked where we would split readings and we would have study sessions when we were on away trips and just really worked together to get through it and then it felt so lucky to have someone who was doing exactly what I was doing, like to a T, every day looked nearly identical. And so we were able to just lean on each other and get through it together, which was really nice. Um, and then that friend only played for the first year. And then I had two more years after that. One was COVID, so that doesn't count. And then in my last year, um, 
like I had built that network with uh, my friend and then I was on my own doing it, but it still was manageable because I had built those schedules from the get go. You know, we had a great coach um, in first year who knew what we were doing and was very understanding. He was like, you know, school comes first. I'm aware of that. Rugby is your next one. Like it's really close to school, but he was like, this is important. This is for your life. Like You guys need to be focused on school. So if you have an event or you have something you need to be at, I will not hold it against you if you're not at practice or things like that. Like we never missed games, but it was very nice to have that flexibility if we needed to leave early, if we needed something like that, or to miss a training session because we had something like um, the morning training sessions where we were in the gym, we could miss those as well because we had presentations or exams or things like that, um, which was awesome. So it was just a team of support, having the law school also being really helpful, having the professors be very helpful. We had to miss classes. Um, we had to be away and all of our professors were super wonderful. They were understanding. The dean even met with us and talked to us about how we were balancing everything and we just felt like we weren't alone the whole time and we both had played in our undergrads. So we had a bit of that background of balancing study schedules and both of us uh, wanted to do well in undergrad to be able to go to law school. So we were very good uh, at setting aside that study time and working together just to be able to manage the immense workload. Just like my tip to anyone in law school, I would say find a reading buddy who will help you split the readings and then you can teach them to each other after because then you learn from a friend and you also get to teach a subject. So if your friend isn't that good at reading, at least you learned 50% of that material very well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just being able to repeat that mm -hmm. with your own spoken voice and understanding it. I, I think there was a study that came out way back, even when I was in high school, that the best way to learn it is if, is to teach it. Yeah. Because that means you genuinely understand it, the, yeah. the material. Like better than even writing notes. Like, don't get me wrong, writing notes is very important as well. But you know, teaching it to somebody or being able to understand it to that level is such an important thing to help you do well, really at anything, but especially in in law school. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 again, like I've probably said this many times, but like that discipline that you've had from your undergrad years all the way into your law school years. Like, I got to be honest, you were better prepared for law school than I was because. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, I was never an athlete, but I, I, I'm i a classical pianist. And while we, I do, I mean, to, to give some some semblance, we, I practice, like, I used to practice five to eight hours a day, you know, seven days a week to keep up my technique and to understand the piece and to synthesize what the composers are talking about, whether it's the Baroque, classical, romantic era, romantic with a capital R, it's the different meaning, and the uh, 20th century uh, repertoire. But even then, it's it's very much like just on my own. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just keeping the mental aspect, but I'm not like necessarily having the the physical aspect, you know, like eating healthy, although it does help. But, you know, it's not as important as, you know, playing rugby, where every single calorie that you consume influences the number of reps you, you perform in the gym or how fast you run on the pitch or how many tries you score on the pitch. Right. Yeah. So it, it's it, it's for me, like I for me, I found that I was lacking a little bit in that and where, where you had that. So you were better off than, than I was uh, preparing for law school and, and your ability to, you know, associate with, with a team of people, not to say I couldn't do it, but like, for me, it was very different because you already grew up with that. I mm -hmm. didn't, you yeah. know, I was very much self-study and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's a massive advantage that I think you and a lot of student athletes who went into law school or any kind of, of professional school or a master or graduate program had over non-athletes 
Totally. And I think that's the benefit of like, it doesn't have to just come from sports. It's the community, I think, is the biggest thing. And that's why so many law schools are so good at having all of those clubs and all of those things you can join because you just need to find your people. You need to find your thing, your friends, the people who are going to, you know, be like you and have the same experiences as you. And having someone who did like absolutely everything I did, that was the greatest thing ever for me, just to know someone else was suffering the way I was suffering. (laughs) Kind of like just having people who are your peers and your friends who are going through all of these hardships at the same time as you and, and helping you get through. It's really important. And having sports, of course, like that helps break up the day into a healthy physical activity. And uh, yeah, I really appreciated that. And what do you miss about that time? Now that you've finished playing rugby, or unless you choose to go back into the professional rugby or, or anything. <laughs> what? Uh, hey, we got a nice little visitor oh, yeah, here. Sorry, I'm a visitor. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. A nice little uh, guest appearance for our for our video viewers. Uh, <laughs> I encourage our, our, for those of you listening, Katrina's uh, uh, <laughs> puppy just, uh, just appeared on camera. So tune into our YouTube video if you see that little yeah. bit of a extra bit. <laughs> but what do you miss the most from your time playing rugby? Uh, well, I'm still playing, but not nearly as competitive. I mean, it's competitive, but it's not as um, high commitment, which is nice. I'd say the biggest thing I miss is the friendships you build. It is like a whole nother world to be with people almost 24-7. Like it is this crazy community you build and the bonds you create during that time, the stories you hear from your teammates, you know, just the way you learn to support others and empathize with others it's so important. And going into the legal field, I feel like being able to speak with different kinds of people, like, yes, we all had a common goal of playing rugby, but everyone was in a different program. Everyone had a different background. Everyone came from somewhere else. Everyone had a different story, which was so cool to get to get like, get to know these people on such a deep level because you were constantly with them. So that is the biggest thing I miss is getting to be in that atmosphere where you just get to know so many different kinds of people and you all love and respect each other and you're just a family. That's that's really really good and I think especially and, and as a well a brand new lawyer right now having just myself being just been called to the bar I can tell you one thing that it's the same thing in, in legal practice. Mm-hmm. You'll see you'll find a lot of teamwork as you're working like a lot of these files you especially early on in your practice you can't do it on your own. A lot of people think of law as this very individual, very isolated kind of of, of practice, and maybe yeah. because they don't know anything about the legal profession. That happens when you're a sole practitioner. Maybe I don't want to be 100% because you yeah. know I don't know anything about sole practices, but that's not the case if you're working in a firm, yeah. and especially if you're working in a larger, a mid-sized or a larger firm. It, it's that's just not the reality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and once you like, like you mentioned, you got to find your, your group of people. And this would happen also in, in, uh, in the legal practice as well. Yeah. It, it, like once you find your group and you tend to, to often to be able to find it, it clicks, it clicks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it, it, everyone's, everyone's gone to law school from different backgrounds and has their own different pathways to get to, law school and to become a lawyer or whatever profession that they, they choose to, to do after uh, after law school. But yeah, it's that support. It's that teamwork that really, really helps you get through the day. And it also helps with your health as well. Yeah. 
like sometimes like uh, like sometimes you could feel awfully nervous especially when you're starting out i don't know what i'm doing i feel like i'm, I'm the only person i i feel like like, like I, I feel so you know you know it's kind of inadequate but yeah don't everyone has to make that first jump right everyone yeah. has those first few years you know it, it's just that it's just it's just the nature of how the, the profession works yeah yeah no, definitely so now that you're articling at this time to to what extent does the rugby mindset influence the law mindset and to what extent does the law mindset affect the rugby mindset uh, well it's actually funny you asked that question we had a practice uh like last week and um the coach was trying to introduce this thing and i was like i don't think that's legal and i was like going through like the rugby laws in my head and like having this conversation with my coach and she's like okay law school like we don't need to talk about this anymore it's fine and i was like okay but it was just really funny because it definitely makes me look at the sport in um a different way i look at the sport like i look at the rules more and i try and see how you can strategize with the rules and like where you can play within the rules and things like that um and so it's definitely i've seen it in rugby for sure and i'm like a justice warrior when i'm on the field which is bad um, <laughs> i hate when there's unjust calls and so i'm always uh getting frustrated in my mind uh, in the legal field i'd say that the biggest thing it's taught me is like things are challenging but there's always a way through it um, like from learning the sport the sport is incredibly challenging but it just requires you to persevere and just like be determined and not give up and always try, try like everything you can and um, not be afraid to make mistakes, not be afraid to, you know, do the wrong thing once in a while. You just make sure you're open to being coachable and being able to hear that feedback and implement it and not make the same mistakes going forward. Yeah. And yeah, and this is really something that we would, all, we all go through. Well, each and every day, honestly, whatever we do. So, <laughs> yeah, so true. Absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. It's impossible to do everything perfectly. And, you know, mistakes happen. And, uh, you know, hopefully those mistakes aren't too bad, but mistakes do happen. And the important thing is you learn from that mistake and you, you, well, improve from that, from that, you know. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, Looking at rugby as a whole, like aside from you mentioned how a lot of people, their first impressions of rugby are, you know, they're terrified of the sport and stuff. Aside from that first impression, or we can call it a misconception, what are some of the greatest misconceptions that people generally have about the sport of rugby? I think that injuries are super common. Um, like I said earlier, injuries are just as frequent in any other sport and like concussions, things like that. You're taught specifically how to tackle without hurting yourself, hurting others. And we did talk about like the practicing. So that's a big one people have. I think also that like it's kind of a chaotic, bizarre sport. Like people just think that there's no order, that it's chaos. And beautiful thing about rugby is that it looks like chaos but when you are playing it or when you see it executed at the level that it's like the highest level it is so beautiful and it is so like it is organized chaos at all times and there's always some kind of structure going on there's always something going on and people just if you don't know the sport it's really hard to see that 
And so that's like one I always try and tell people it's actually this wonderful sport that has all these rules and everyone at the end of the day loves each other on the field. Like you go to battle and then at the end of the game, you have a beer with the people you were just smashing and the people who just smashed you. So I'd say those are like the big ones for me. And since the time that you've played from the moment that you started playing and up until today, has the general perception of rugby improved? Has that have been more and more, have more and more people, especially in Canada, have have people seen rugby, you know, closer to the way how you described it? Or, you know, has it gone the other way, you know, has, or has it stayed the same? Like how, how has the perception changed? I think with the introduction of sevens into the Olympics and with the like, especially in Vancouver, they have Vancouver sevens now. And that's such a party. People love going to it. More people who weren't interested in the sport are becoming interested in the sport. I prefer 15s rugby to sevens rugby. But I love that people are seeing sevens rugby. It's a bit more of a digestible format of rugby as well. It's quicker. It's kind of bang, bang, bang. Lots of action. Very fun. Very easy to watch. So I think the conceptions have completely shifted where people see like how good the women's team is doing and how amazing the sport actually is and how it isn't chaotic. It is actually this beautifully structured madness on the field and so i love that it's becoming more mainstream and that it's becoming more popular i want to keep seeing that trend go upwards and seeing the engagement especially with um female athletes joining rugby and parents not being afraid of thinking their kids are going to get hurt by playing because it isn't this dangerous sport that people make it out to be yeah and that's good to hear that's good to hear that it, it the perception is changing uh very much uh across the country uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's always good to see that with uh, with sports, especially since, as you know, rugby hasn't culturally been a Canadian sport. Yeah, it's it's always been hockey and lacrosse. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's very, very encouraging to see to see that. And honestly, to see how the teams have grown, even in yeah. university sport, whether, you know, if it's Carlton, Carlton or Calgary or really any other university, I mean, just seeing that growth is something that is quite so encouraging and mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean going back to a little bit earlier you were mentioning that you were following you know how Carlton was was facing up against the teams now they're beating you Ottawa I think by like 30 or 40 points now which is I'm like eight years ago or seven years ago I'm like whoa that is something that I wouldn't have expected or yeah totally yeah, yeah no it's it's crazy it's it's really awesome to watch and just to see like other teams improve and all these programs that were a lot smaller do a lot better yeah, yeah, absolutely. And well, now you're an articling student. You've graduated law school. You've written the bar, and you've done all you've done all these things. You're almost a lawyer, or you know, a lawyer being called to the bar. What are your future plans and goals? Yeah, that's a good one. That was something I was telling my family. It's like I need to come up with new goals. My goals was <laughs> to get here, and now I'm here. So for me, it's to really establish a good life with work and with continuing to play rugby and to building, you know, relationships outside of work and just having this holistic life that does not just involve only one thing, which is something that being a student athlete has taught me. You always need to have more than, you know, one thing going on. You have to have more to your life and more to yourself just for your own mental health and well-being. You have to have all these other things and you have to have some kind of network and work network is great. Like I'm building my work network, but I'm also building, you know, my rugby network and I'm building my community outside of those things as well. So that I just have a bunch of different things to kind of hold me up 
so that, you know, one starts feeling crummy, at least I have these other two things that are going good and it just helps balance it. And there's going to be, you know, peaks and valleys and all of them being ups and downs. And it's just nice to have more than, more than one thing going on. So my goal is to, you know, excel in my career, but also excel in uh, maintaining a personal life. Yeah. Networking. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the number one fears of many, many law students. Many. I mean, the next one is is public speaking, but the, yeah, networking is, it's a scary thing, especially when you have to make the cold call or, I mean, it's easier when, when you're with friends because they know you, but when you're cold yeah. calling or when you're emailing someone that you would not, not normally do so, it is very, very daunting for a lot for a lot of people, which is which is also why I mean the law school show exists because there's a, it's it's also a networking ability for a lot of podcasts hosts and and all and producers and and everybody else as well because yeah. you get to peer into a specific area like what we're doing right now you get to peer into what makes what, the, the stories of each and every lawyer law student or legal professional. And how they got to where they did, right? And mm-hmm. we at this point we were over two hundred episodes in, and oh. out of all of the story, like each and every story is so unique, like very, very unique. Everybody went to law school for very different reasons. Some of them may have been similar, but you know, there's always variation. Yeah. And what they've been able to do with a law degree is so diverse. It's not just lawyers. I mean, we've got former politicians. We've got a lot of people working in in human rights organizations, NGOs, so mm-hmm. on and so forth, the tech sector as well. So especially in Canada, which generally has a relatively small legal world, it's so important to network because you never know where you end up. Yeah, definitely. It's a tough skill, but it is something that develops throughout. It's not something I was strong at at first, but it's something like you just have to you know, work your way through and eventually, eventually it's just something you accept and learn to do. And I still cringe a little bit, but you get through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And as we begin to close the episode, and once again, our guest, uh, our special (laughs) guest is on the, uh, what's the the name of the puppy, by the way? Uh, This is Sage. She wants attention. (laughs) (laughs) So, as we um, begin to close the episode, what is your advice to new law students and future law students on surviving the law school experience? And in particular, for those in our audience who are about to enter law school, who are also student athletes mm-hmm. or former student athletes, what's your advice to them? Well, that's a good question. I would say that you want to be just kind of open-minded when you go in, be ready to tackle anything and try not to be afraid that, you know, you're going to mess up or that you're going to do the wrong thing. Just try and go into it with um, with an open mind and open heart and really focus on the things that are important to you, the things you want to set aside time for, and just like learning to build a schedule. I would say just go in open-minded, be ready to make friends, say yes to everything. You know, and um, just focus on that community and building healthy habits, healthy community around you and not being too focused on just school. Have something outside of it, whether it's joining the law school hockey team or joining 
an intramural team doing boxing on the outside or like painting, poetry, writing, anything, honestly, any extracurricular is so good. And also like throwing in some volunteer work there too, if you can, because it really helps you feel good in your heart. I did food bank volunteering while I was in law school and it was such a fun little break to go uh, just do something else. And I felt like I was helping people and it just made me feel whole. And that's what I needed through school. So finding what makes you whole and finding your people. Wise words to end this episode on, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Katrina, thank you so much for appearing on the show. It's been great to catch up with you too. It's been, yeah. I mean, like for, for us personally, it's been like how many years? Like four years? Since four we, years, yeah. yeah. Four years since we've seen face-to-face and even then it's, you know, virtual. But yeah, uh, man, like it's time really, really does fly. But uh, But yeah, I mean... It was great to have you on the show. It was, I think our audience, especially those who came from a sports background, will definitely relate to a lot with what you said. And I think, yeah, it's been r- so much fun to have, to have you on the show. Thanks thanks again for spending a bit of time out of your very busy articling <laughs> experience to come on to the show. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely to catch up as well and just lovely to chat about it. It's, it's always always fun to talk about your experiences and hopefully I can help someone who needs some <laughs> some help or encouragement. Thanks again, and thank you to our audience for tuning in to this episode of The Law School Show. And be sure to tune in next time as we have yet another great guest coming on to the show. And as we continue to to give you great content, over 200 episodes in, we're still going strong. Thank you so much for all the support to everybody listening or watching this episode and for all the other past episodes as well. So once again, thank you so much. Signing off for now, this is Amos Vang. Stay safe and stay healthy. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here, next time, on The Law School Show.